Hey, welcome to episode 109 of Bono's Health. And I'm just jazzed by all me. I, uh, you guys are going to hear the excitement in my voice. I've been really lucky to get some of my heroes, role models uh, on, on these shows recently. Just awesome, awesome guests. And um, if you guys want to hear specific guests or anything like that, please let me know. And hopefully we can make it happen because uh, I'm just super duper excited to share Rob Wolf, one of my biggest inspirations uh, coming up in the CrossFit space. I got into it around 2010 where he was the CrossFit nutrition guy and there was all sorts of uh, falling outs and, and falling ins of things. And uh, he had one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to on a consistent basis with Greg Everett. Um, and just the whole paleo concept uh, has made a lot of ironically evolutions since then. And uh, he's, you know, a lot of things, lessons learned from trying out different concepts over the years. So I, I can't tell you how excited I am for this. I'm just going to let the episode roll. Um, you know, I hope you guys get a lot out of it. If you do, share it with at least one human being who you think will benefit from it. I think there's tons of cool stuff we talk about here. I uh, would love to hear what we're doing good, bad, uh, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Uh, always, always working to get better. So uh, shoot it in the comments, shoot me a direct message, and uh, hope you're having a great day. Enjoy this episode wherever you are. And hopefully we can hear it. There it is. Don't sue us. Los Fabulosos Cadillacs, El Matador, can you hear that? This is high-tech uh, music editing right here, as long as they don't sue us. I am lucky. Okay. 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 I like it. Random. Random. Is this what you work out to? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> so th this uh, ended up being a key piece of music in the film Gross Point Blank, mm. which is my favorite movie of all time. And so, I, that's yeah. It's in my top, I, I can say it's probably my top three, but my wife doesn't like it. So I had to like lower it a little bit. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. I, that's, that's a dark comedy for anyone not familiar. Little John Cusack plays a hitman, goes to his uh, high school reunion. Definitely one of my absolute favorites. Mini Driver. Oh, good times. Good times. Yeah. Got me, me reminiscent. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, uh, I'm excited to introduce my child to it once they're born. Um, <laughs> definitely on the list. I, anyway, uh, but we're lucky enough to be joined by by Rob Wolf and uh, all the musical stuff aside. We're here to solve the biggest problems in the world. We're trying to figure out if there's hope for humanity. And Rob Wolf has a unique skill set to answer that question. Um, he, he, the Libertarian <laughs> podcast, I forgot. I already forgot the name of it, I'll be honest. But uh, I definitely listen to every episode. Um, when you had that, you definitely went the, the, the way of the dodo there. Uh, that's a reference from gross point blank. I believe that is that a reference from gross point blank. Yeah. yeah. I, did. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if my brain did that unintentionally. Years. Like... <laughs> um, <laughs> was it Bujo, the dog? Was it? Yeah. 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 Yep. Anyway, anyway, uh, for anyone not familiar with the movie, go check it out. Um, but yeah, what happened to the, I, want, uh, I did want to know what happened to the libertarian was just too much politics. It was and... no, no, no. It, it, uh, funny enough, um, both Dave Dooley and I, and the, the name of the podcast is the controversial truth yes. or was the controversial truth. Um, Dave ended up getting a, a really legit day job in that he's the CEO for this thing called plan gap, which is basically, uh, he owns the intellectual property around gap insurance as it relates to social security and all uh, pension type things. Right. Like he managed to get this like process patent around this stuff. And funny enough, he came up with this idea when he was up hanging out with my wife and I in Reno um, probably about six years ago. 
and he was he was just like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, gap insurance on on uh, 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 Social Security first, but then pensions broadly, because like 85 percent of pensions are underfunded and are actually there's all these people that are working their asses off so that they can retire with the golden handshake. And then the vast majority of them are going to discover that there's not nearly enough money in those uh, things to do what they hope it's going to do. And hopefully Dave's solution to that will prevent civil unrest and all kinds of craziness. But um, Dave, uh, we, we expunged all of that off the internet because Dave had to get, you know, funding and investors and all that type of stuff. And we didn't want to leave too much of a paper trail of our, our attempt at saving um, Western liberal (laughs) democracy. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. And I I would say I'm a very novice politically minded person. And like, I try to keep up with it. Um, I don't go too far either direction, obviously. And, and uh, you know, the concept of libertarianism probably listening to your podcast was the most I got into that. And again, like that was, and, and so for anyone not familiar with Rob, uh, the paleo guy then became the keto guy and now he's the salty guy. Um, and we're drinking our, our LMNTs here. You got the, yes, the Yeti. And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just got that bottle as well from you guys. Thank you. Um, and so LMNT takes care of its, its vendors very nicely. Um, and if anyone wants free sample pack, you can go to com slash fitcare to get your free sample today. Um, there you go. And we both get some, some goodies. Um, but yeah, Rob also, so first and fourth, ever CrossFit gyms in yep. the world, uh, had his little, little black box summit with, uh, <laughs> the, the CrossFit people, but now he's, you're back. You seem to have a uh, rehash that you did. The... I, I was back briefly. And then I, I don't, uh, God bless CrossFit and in all of its various forms, but they, they wanted to bring me back in. And then apparently there was some sort of backpedaling on that. And mm. they, so I, I actually bowed out gracefully <laughs> this time instead of getting pitched out the door. Uh, again, I, yeah. Yeah. And anyone not familiar with the, the controversy and all that, basically, I, again, like one of the prophets of doom, so to speak, is that, would that be fair to say you and, uh, Probably. Greg ever, <laughs> I think it was 2009 black box summit in Texas. Um, anyone not familiar with their history here and, uh, you guys basically stood up and you're like, Hey, can we regulate this thing a little bit? And, and and, and even even beyond not even like regulate but w- we were making the the crazy case that if you wanted to run a business it, so you you've run b- brick and mortar mm-hmm, businesses mm-hmm. and they're just as hard to run if they're a pile of steaming feces or if they're really buttoned up and and doing well one of them will pay you well one of them won't but uh, both of them are huge uh, liability risk in a variety of ways or a huge time suck and we were just throwing out there this idea that maybe there are some best practices that would allow people to go from barely scraping by to just just having, you know, a well-run business. So it wasn't even really suggesting that like HQ have some regulations, but more that that they would say, hey, you probably should have some business software to run this thing, you know, like billing. Um, you might think about an on-ramp program so that new people, you know, aren't burned out on day one and injured and all that type of stuff. And as time has gone on, it's completely borne that out. And, uh, you know, uh, CrossFit was unfortunately run more like a, a Ponzi scheme than the the world changing thing that it, it, it is and it could have been. And uh, yeah. 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 A lot of, a lot of stuff there just for, again, to, for, to keep the story going of anyone not familiar with Rob as, as I know the story anyway. Uh, so him and Greg Everett, who is catalyst athletics, mm-hmm. uh, 
they, they were the two kind of, hey, uh, not so good at Black Box Summit. Moving on from that. Uh, less <laughs> less CrossFitty. Uh, they, you guys had your own podcast. I think that was the first probably podcast I was ever subscribed to. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if that makes you feel old or ages you, but sorry about that. Um, but yeah, podcasting, you know, relatively new thing kind of went from blogs to podcasting, all that jazz. And then, um, and, and I, I still love the, the lines, you know, uh, is it, uh, bringing down property values everywhere he's gone and, and right. also, uh, having your six, <laughs> six listeners, uh, you know, all, all the classics, all the hits today. Um, so, uh, do you still keep in touch with your six listeners? I probably was one of the six. I guess I kind of, in theory, theory was. But. There, there is a rotating group of possibly <laughs> more than six people that will email and they're like, hey, uh, one of the original six. And yeah, 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 yeah. And so they would just field questions and they kind of, he's, Rob's been kind of doing that since whenever that was, early 2010s, I guess. 20... The 2010 is when we yeah. launched the, the podcast. Yeah. And that it was... was really just trying to figure out, like, we had a deluge of questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were a lot of overlap. Like there, there was 80% of, of overlap with a lot of these things. And and so instead of answering it once for one person, I, first I started blogging about the questions mm-hmm. and it's always been interesting to me. And, and, and I don't want to divert this too far down this, but uh, it's the unfortunate side of social media that has become such a, a weird place because the questions are really where I continue to learn from folks. Mm-hmm. Like if I've got a group of a thousand people that are really well engaged and they understand kind of like what I'm thinking because they've read some of my books and read, read, you know, some blogs and listen to podcasts and they go out in the world and they're checking different things out and kicking tires on things. Then I've got like a thousand research assistants going out, checking mm-hmm. things out. And then they're like, Hey, this is a new thing. What do you think about it? And so it's a really amazing way to stay on top of things and to learn new, new new material, new yeah. ways of looking at stuff. And and so I always, it's funny when, when somebody gets a New York times bestselling book or something, and the advice is like, create this distance between yourself and your, your followers, you know, you need to become inaccessible and don't mm-hmm. answer questions. And I've always loved answering questions. Like I, I would spend three or four hours a day on the back end of Instagram or Facebook, like people would just have questions and I'd do my best job to, to answer them. I actually took it as part of my job to, yeah. to do that, you know, and I didn't uh, approach that stuff as like a popularity contest. It was right. literally like, if I can help enough people, then the, they will find enough value in the rest of my work that they will patronize me. And that, that generally has worked out really well. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, again, you've been doing that since 2010 and you still have a podcast where pretty much weekly you're answering (laughs) more questions and you do like three questions or so. Now your your co-host is your wife, Nikki, uh, and uh, the, the Healthy Rebellion. And every time I listen to it at the beginning, I, I'm like, you know, it definitely, again, resonates with me at, at the very least that uh, make your health an act of, rebe- or sorry, make, yeah, make your health yeah. an act of rebellion. Um, and, you know, I always love those concepts of like, we need to revolt. We need to have like change the system. Uh, my other podcast is the Demand Better podcast. And we're saying like demand better from this system that we currently have. And, and again, Rob here is uh, been yelling it from the, you know, the rooftops or the the, the, the gutter generally, the gutter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to say the rooftops, but yes. Uh, and, and it's crazy. Cause yeah, you get this fan base and you hear the things and it makes so much sense when we hear you talk. Um, but then it doesn't, it doesn't go past a certain point and that's, and that's the frustrating thing. And the, so the, the most recent book, sacred cow, 
Uh, let's jump over to that. So, uh, and again, I, I, one of the last times I saw you in person was uh, evolutionary biology talk at SUNY New Paltz, upstate mm -hmm. New York. Um, and you kind of helped set up that whole uh, curriculum, if it were. And, and, yep. and uh, you know, that's a huge piece of this whole thing. And again, the paleo thing went by the wayside in terms of its popularity, more or less, um, in regards to like, we shouldn't eat like cavemen. Cavemen didn't live very long. And, all you know, you've heard all the the fun back and forth there. Um, so, yep. uh, but, but still ev evolutionary biology, understanding that, studying that and how then we can take the lessons from that and apply it to modern day. Uh, and, and so I still think of all the folks I listen to the many, many podcasts and stuff I take in, uh, you're still one of the best at, at, um, uh, and again, that's, uh, you know, I was really, I was like, oh, I can just book on a link here to have this guy in my podcast. Cool. Um, <laughs> like there's no, there's no filtration. No system. control, no standards. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so I did appreciate that. And, and it's like, maybe there's something wrong here, but no, I, it's, it's happening. So here we are, but yeah, you're still one of the best to, to synthesize all this. And, uh, I'm, I'm almost trying to keep you from going into the tangents, which you, t you do, but it's always useful and it's always good um in the sense that like it's it's common sense and you go down this path of thinking and i i would bet you could go head toe to toe with pretty much any of these top politicians or or and you know that i guess that's another pseudo question that uh folks like me your fans we can call it uh the wolfies i don't know i don't know if there's a name <laughs> the wolf, but, pack. Uh, wolf pack yeah that would make that would be an easier one i guess but um yeah i assume you're never going to deal with politics i'll just i'll throw that out you know what's funny is uh i had i had swore that i never would and then i was actually talking to my jujitsu coach and he was like you need to really get into some local politics at some point like even um at like the public health and um food security level like right. really pushing so I live in Montana and there's this interesting dynamic where we have a lot, you know, a lot of people that, um, have acreage that they dedicate to like grazing animals of different types, mainly cattle, but there's a lot of bison. There's a lot of sheep. Um, there's a lot of thought around like elk and deer and the, you know, the native flora and fauna and everything. And then there's this other side of this story where the folks that have, are doing that and have been doing it for you know, maybe like eight generations, like really a, a remarkably long time to say nothing of the native peoples who live in these areas, like the Blackfoot tribe and whatnot, they're being vilified for this animal husbandry stuff, which kind of ties into the the sacred cow. And uh, we have a public health crisis of people, you know, overeating calories, under eating nutrition. And, you know, Montana is one of these places where we could produce monumental amounts of, of, you know, animal product foods and, and do it in a sustainable way and make the land better than what it was. Like if we don't screw everything up, we could come back 5,000 years from now and the grasslands could be better. The ecosystems could be better. The human population could be healthier and, and better. And, uh, even though I've had some influence from being the peanut gallery out doing stuff like this, like my jujitsu coach was actually like, you really need to consider doing some sort of like, state or local level politics at some point to be able to um to grease the skids on this stuff and you know it's uh there's i, I forget the exact number on this but something like 85 89 percent of people in politics now have a jd they have a, a law degree and there is uh, there's less than one percent of people in politics that have a hard science degree chemistry right. physics engineering yeah. which um 
I'm, I'm biased that way, but I have this, this sneaky suspicion that if you, if you don't understand thermodynamics, evolution, economics, <laughs> you literally have no idea how the world works. It's, it, yeah. it's the, it, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, a famous science fiction author made this observation that a, a sufficiently advanced civilization would, would be indistinguishable from magic for, you know, a, a less uh, mm -hmm. advanced civilization. And I see that somewhat like this and that people who, and I'm not, I'm not talking down to them, but like if, if you have no idea about the way that your refrigerator works, like the, the, the no math involved, but just the basic idea that some electricity is going in, a pump is moving some stuff around to pump heat from one area to another area to make one area colder and another area hot. If you don't have a, a little bit of a grasp of that, there's huge tracts of the world that it, it, if somebody said, hey, um, I think we should do 100% wind turbine driven electricity and we're going to store it all in batteries, like, do you have a background that can assess that? Even it, it just like a very, um, like I, I remember in my undergrad, there was a, a physics for poets class. So it was hmm. no math in it. It was all conceptual based, but God, people came out of that with a really good understanding about like thermodynamics and heat flow hmm. and energy and, and the, the limitations of, of physical space. Like you can only pack so much energy density into a battery without it, it to get more energy density, it needs to become like a radioactive material or something. And I know I've kind of like diverted off into the weeds, but yeah, yeah that was a long answer to, I may actually so the think answer about is, doing some local No, politics. the real answer yeah. is you're never going to make it in politics because you can't stay on topic. Because no. I can't stay on topic. <laughs> yeah. And I actually answer things directly. Yeah. 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 And again, the, these are the, well, right. That's the, that's the fun part. One of my high school football teammates actually was just trying to run for governor of New York. And he was mm. on a little bit of a, of a religious thing, but we, we got, we have, we have like a monthly catch up with all of our high school football buddies. And, um, he, he jumped on there. He hadn't been on there. And of course he's running. He kind of wanted to get our votes or, or push our you know thing and touch base with us. And yeah, we would ask him a question like, Hey, uh, how you been? And he's like, well, that's interesting. You asked that. And then he would go into the, the completely political. I was like, wow, you, you definitely got the political the polish. Like, yeah polish going yeah it's uh it's pretty pretty <laughs> interesting to see it like with people you grew up with and people like you you really uh you know you have that kind of connection with but it's like wow that's really it's really a thing and so yeah the whole political game is is a fun piece of that equation but yeah it's uh i mean i got obviously i think you'd have a lot of folks who probably don't live where you live who <laughs> who who would be uh you know ready to vote for you but uh yeah it's it's a crazy crazy system the other piece that takes us to is this whole regenerative farming piece. So, so Sager Cow's kind of making the argument for that. And uh, you seem to like to take on these, these battles of, <laughs> uh, you know, the, especially with the nutrition folks, uh, we call them zealots, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, folks really like, like to argue about it. And you guys actually put out the movie and the book, right. Um, yep. of, of Sacred Cow and really making the argument that it is possible for us to make improvements in how we, raise animals and the argument before was this is how we should be eating um this is how the earth is meant to be uh there's actually carbon negative pieces and and versus kind of all the money and and you know we bring up game changers as the ultimate kind of example of the the antithesis of what you're doing uh, or what you did and yeah. uh, and you know I, I remember you did one of the takedowns of of game changers and like you know anytime i talk to that and i've, I've had plenty of folks come to me and like hey i'm thinking of switching a 
plant-based diet. I saw this game changers thing. It seems really good. And I'm like, okay, um, here's, here's 17 things, you know, and like, how do we get you to, to change your mind? And again, that's one of the other things I always kind of defer to you uh, and, and keep going to someone like you as like, help me understand how to affect these people. Cause you're doing it on a daily basis. You're making change. You're, you're being consistent with everything we're talking about here, but it's, it, it is, when do we get to like a critical mass of saying like the things he's saying are hard to argue. Like we're, this is the science folks. And again, it's not, you know, I, I know you've talked about it before and you got into the COVID thing with uh, all sorts of fun stuff, which I don't know if we want to open up that can of worms, but <laughs> um, we can, I mean, uh, it, it, it's topical and it, it, you know, I, I had a quip the other day, which was uh, the 2029 postmortem on COVID is going to be really fan fascinating. You know, when we have 10 years of, of looking back and looking at, uh, excess death, all-cause mortality, um, uh, economic impacts, educational impacts on our children, suicide, on and on and on. Like it, it's going to be really interesting to see um, if the 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 pivot. And, and it, I'll, I'll just throw this out there: um, we had had a pandemic response process that didn't involve lockdowns, didn't did not involve. Uh, uh, population level masking did not involve population level vaccination mid pandemic because there's a lot of concerns around that with like original antigenic sin and, and antibody dependent enhancement. And we can dig into that stuff if you want to a little bit. Uh, and none of that was the stand standard of care that that was never part of the way that we were historically supposed to respond to a pandemic. And then for some damn reason, you know, uh, 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 we pivoted on a dime in this case and instituted mass vaccines mid pandemic, which is it, there are really legitimate concerns about why one might not want to do that from an immunological perspective. Uh, there was never a thought that uh, shutting down a global economies was a good idea. It was never thought that uh, pulling kids out of school was a good idea. There's safety and mitigating uh, strategies like in the uh, 90, 1918 flu pandemic. Uh, what they simply did is move kids outdoors mm -hmm. and that that largely halted that, that that whole process, you know, and uh, and instead we shut down outdoor areas and, and arrested people for paddleboarding at the Santa Monica Pier, you know, it's so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's such a train wreck. I don't I don't know how, how far you would want to go into it. But I think that there's just some stuff there that, that folks didn't. Um, it, it, I'll, I'll throw this out there really quickly. At the very I, we were in Costa Rica right as COVID was emerging kind of globally, like we literally got in just before things started started locking down. And I had really followed SARS-CoV-1 and also MERS, because those those viruses, although very difficult to catch, have like a 30 to 40 percent case fatality rate. No joke, like no fiddling the numbers, no no funny business there. Uh, if 100 people get it, like 30 to 40 of them die. The other people who survive are really, really sick. And it, it, it's pretty uniform. And um I'm a little bit of a geek about thinking, uh, considering like existential threats, like EMP pulse either generated from a nuclear weapon or like a coronal mass ejection from the sun that could wipe out our whole power grid, uh, fry every circuit board. And we would basically be back to like a late, 
you know, 1800s level of technology overnight. It, w- it would be catastrophic. And so I, I don't like fixate on this stuff, but I think about like, okay, if there was a big earthquake, what would I do to deal with that? If there was a wildfire in the area that I live in, which is prone to that, what would I do with that? And then some of these bigger existential threats. And so when COVID, SARS-CoV-2 started emerging, like my wife and I updated our wills. We contacted people that are in our estate planning. And like, if both of us died, this is what happens with the kids. We took it super seriously. And then it was maybe April of that, that first ramp up that, um, when, when the, the word from like CDC, uh, world health organization was that we were going to have these novel vaccines that were going to be the sole response to, to this problem. It was like my hound dog ears just kind of like, really? And because we've we've uh, never had success making a vaccine in the, this class of viruses, uh, they, uh, folks have been trying to make vaccines for SARS-CoV-1 and MERS, and it never succeeded. The animals always ended up, the animal experiments always ended up with these original antigenic sin and antibody-dependent enhancement issues that ended up killing the animals. Um, to say nothing of this like novel therapeutic, you know, application of mRNA. And again, like when you think about existential threats, like when it, it, in World War II, when the Manhattan Project was spun up to create an atomic bomb because the Nazis, like actual real, like legitimate Nazis were trying to make an atomic bomb and whoever won that race was going to win the war ultimately and kind of win the world. Um, they didn't do one process with that. They created a team of people and that had like four or five different angles that they were trying to tackle this problem because nobody knew exactly what the right answer was. They didn't even know if if it was possible to make an atomic bomb. And then the people who thought that we could make an atomic bomb, about 10% of them thought that if you ignited an atomic bomb in the atmosphere of the earth, it would ignite the atmosphere and we would become a star for 20 or 30 minutes until, you know, all of the visible material in the atmosphere was gone and then everybody would be dead. And so there was, there was actually like a lot of interesting stuff even around that. And I didn't see any of that around COVID. There was like this one answer, one solution. Uh, we're going to coerce you to, to do it. We may make you lose your job if you don't do it. And there were a lot of things. So I went from like preparing for my death to, being one of these people that was getting, you know, shadow banned and, and blocked for mainly asking questions. Like I, I rarely made any definitive statements about anything. I just asked a lot of questions and that was enough to, to really piss off both, you know, people out there and kind of the powers that be. I've, I've learned that with my wife too. If, if I ask a question, <laughs> I better do it the right way. Or you, you can't just be, can't just ask a question. Is your wife Italian? Uh, no, uh, okay. Lebanese, similar, Lebanese. similar, okay. Le- okay. you know, passionate uh, yeah. things going on there, responses. Yeah. Uh, but hey, we're not talking <laughs> bad about anyone. Um, so, so that brings us to: Do we have any hope, Rob? Do we have any hope for the future? Should I go and learn how to bow hunt and and <laughs> and is that the we need to become survivalists and hunt for our food or or what's what's the where are we? Should, can I? Can I not rely on Costco for the rest of my life? What What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I think so. You know, I was in the uh, the Northridge earthquake. You know, I, I was in Long Beach, uh, nineteen ninety four, 
and the Northridge earthquake happened. And fortunately where we were, wasn't as affected as other areas, but we had no water for maybe three days, you know, in the apartment that I lived in. Um, there were some other issues there. And after that, I always, while I lived around California and Nevada, because of the, the potential for like, you know, the, the big one, the mega earthquake to say nothing of like fires and stuff like that. I started in the nineties, mid nineties, just having a little bit of a resiliency plan, like a, a go bag where mm -hmm. passport, important documents, things that, that I, I would really be, you know, uh, uh, I have over here, a. uh, a book that has like my family tree that both my parents had, mm. had filled out and, you know, where my great grandparents were born and different things like that. Like I would be crushed if I lost that thing. So right. I, I started doing some stuff like that. And then in 2008 with the financial crisis, it kind of ratcheted my game up. I don't think it's ever a bad idea to have some extra food on hand, some water on hand, some thought about how you could, you know, uh, have some backup, options around that, like buying some of these like water filtration straws yeah. and, and, and hopefully you never use it. Uh, right. but you know, I think that a little bit of resiliency planning like that is, is not a bad idea, but then for the vast majority of people, the, the reality is that, um, we need really good community. We need good connections. If things did go sideways, you, you know, with like supply chains or, or something like that, like, you're not going to, if you are the person that is off in some remote cabin in the woods, you're the person that all the, the hillbillies around you are going to come like <laughs> take you and your shit first, you know, because you're, right. you're this, 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 you know, singular entity. So it still is going to come back down to community. It's going to come back down to the connections we have and the, the people that we know, um, just as an aside, like during the 2008 financial implosion, the folks that were members of our gym, uh, CrossFit NorCal at that time, uh, they remained members of the gym because of the support. And also like they, they found work through the gym, like people right. networked and they found things, even if it was like an odd job of like cutting a couple of cords of wood for somebody, you know, and these were people who were like real estate agents one day doing 20 grand wine country weekends in Napa, to like, oh shit, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feed mm -hmm. myself, you know, but that, that community was a huge deal. So I, I am really optimistic and it's kind of funny. It circles back around to your, your somewhat whimsical question about politics. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, um, if we focus on trying to change things at like a federal level, we're done. Like you're, yeah. you're literally the bug against the windshield, but we can have massive impact on like our school systems and local food systems. And, and, uh, if we have a homeless issue or, or underserved populations in our, our local areas, we can have a massive impact on that and do a lot of good. And then there is a, a reality that best practices can, and oftentimes do trickle their way up to, you, you know, higher up within organizational systems. But I think that people get, um, bamboozled into thinking that like the presidential election is the place to focus and right. the, you, you know what what's going on there whereas we can have massive impact at a local level and so my hope is that more people get more involved with both local community and that could be churches it could be gyms it could be a, a whole host of different civic uh, activities but also that that they get a little bit more you know networked and tied together at a local level and i think that that's how we we motor forward in this stuff. And I, I also, when you, you think about it, what are most people pining for? Like they don't, 
really want another scroll through Instagram. They don't want another like Facebook post with somebody who, you know, they're like, I don't know if this guy's life is really that good, you know? <laughs> but, but like actually having some, some contact in the real world and mm -hmm. real, real life community and everything. I think that that's what all of us on, on some level want. My, my wife does, she is kind of a misanthrope. And so she's very selective in the people mm. that she wants to connect with, but the people she wants to connect with, they're, they're the most important things in her life. Right. So the, they are the reason that makes life worth living and provides value to us. Yeah. yeah even the introverts need, uh, need folks. <laughs> and yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. when I was in Dubai, uh, I was in Dubai for two and a half years and folks, you know, when, when I came back to the U S were like, how was it? How it looks amazing. And I'm like, it was not, it was not mm. that good. Uh, it's like, it's not what you see on, on Instagram. And it's like, yeah, you know, we can talk deeper on that, but yeah, you make some really um, powerful points about yeah. Connection community. And that is the, and it's it, invariably I mentioned before we came online, I had uh, Kelly and Juliet Starrett on here who uh, are definitely at the forefront of the fitness space at the, to say the least on what they're doing. And uh, kind of asked the same question is like, is there hope for humanity? Um, Cause that's <laughs> with a kid on the way, I'm like, you know, what, what, what are we bringing this, this child into this world of, and um, what can we expect? And their response was specifically around fitness. And I know you have, uh, and we haven't even touched on your fitness connections, uh, let alone, cause you got so much going on. Um, but their kind of response instead of, you know, I think in my mind, it was like, when's Jack LaLanne coming back? When are we going to have like someone, you know, a Pied Piper to lead us out of the, the gutters as it were. Um, and they were like, we, we have to be nodes in our community. That was their kind of takeaway. And I think yep. they're incorporating into their new book, uh, built to move. So that sounds like there's definitely a piece of that. And like you said, the local level uh, the impact we can make is, is pretty powerful. Um, curious on the, the political thing to, to, before we, we move on from that is, um, as you're talking again, and, and I'm not going to pretend to be on any side of any party or anything like that. I don't want to upset anybody. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, are you familiar with Andrew Yang, the forward party? Yeah. Um, and, and again, the, the, the resonated piece here or the thing that connects the dots for me is you're talking common sense. Um, and, and like that's what really I think he's a terrible candidate. I'm going to go ahead and call him out on that. He, you know, he's making fun of Asian people and, you know, not, the things that are not going to end up getting you elected. But you look at his ideas of like, hey, automated trucks are coming. Uh, maybe we should do something about this. Get people ready because, you know, once automated trucks are here, we're losing whatever it is, 80,000 jobs like that overnight yeah. uh, on top of all the, the food, you know, every stop along those routes. They're not going to get any more humans coming through. So like huge, huge uh, financial impact. And he's like, maybe we should do something about that. Maybe we should take these malls that are now all going out of business and do something with that that's going to improve things rank choice voting like and i'm not here to yep. to again just advocate for him but it's and i'm not necessarily for andrew yang and the forward party which he started but i'd be curious again like uh if you've looked into his stuff yep. is and, and again like a third party is is problematic in the grand political scheme again i'm not going to pretend to be a political expert but i'd definitely love to hear your thoughts since you're an educated human and uh <laughs> this is where i get to learn i call it bono's health but i you know this is really about bo knowing more stuff and I get people on who know more than me and tell me things. So tell me things, Rob. No, no, I, I, I like your your takedown of that. Like Andrew Yang has a lot of really laudable characteristics and holy smokes, if we want to get into like a controversial thing, you know, like <laughs> pol policing, you know, but Andrew Yang had this perspective. He, he, he just threw out there. He's like, every cop should have a purple belt in jujitsu. And mm -hmm. 
I, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, right. just the, the physical demands of the job should demand that, that these, mm -hmm. they are warrior athletes and they should right. act as such. And it would be good for them. It'd be good for society. Um, so much of this, uh, excessive force stuff, one 85% of excessive, uh, excessive force cases occur within 24 to 48 hours of a shift change. So it's somebody going from like night shift to day shift, day shift to night shift. And I can tell you what, when, when I'm sleep deprived and you will be soon with, with a new one on, on the way, <laughs> yeah. even if things go well, there's, there's a little bit of sleep, to, you know, disruption. Mm -hmm. I'm an absolute dick when, when I'm sleep deprived, you know? And so like there, there have been some suggestions that like somebody who's gone through a shift change, they should not be responding to calls on their own. They should be partnered up for some period of time until their body adapts to this stuff. There's some really small mitigating things that could avoid these like black swan events, like uh, a George Floyd, where you have this like egregious excessive use of, of force and, and my God, like the, the fallout from that. So I think Andrew Yang is really interesting that he is at least sitting down and thinking about like, well, what are some practical, you know, things to deal with this? I, I will do a shout out to, uh, Brett Weinstein, and he, he had put together this thing, the Unity Project, which was basically trying to get a, a honorable good actor from like the blue side of the, the field and mm -hmm. an honorable good actor from the red side of the field, and that uh, they would effectively run together. And that the mm. first, the, the first, what, what it would be like a coin toss and it's right. like, okay, you're president the first time. <laughs> and then if they get elected the second go around, they literally switch. And, mm. um, and you know, what was interesting about that is the unity project was really gaining some remarkable momentum on, on social media, on Twitter in particular, and it was shut down. It was shut down. This thing that was just suggesting that we should get honorable representatives of both sides of the group and bring them together in a way that this power differential ends up getting mitigated. And it's not just team sports. That was so threatening to the establishment that like all the social media platforms shut that down. And uh, uh, Joseph Heller's book, uh, Catch 22, they have this this line in there that you know you're over the target when you're catching flack and flack mm -hmm. is the you know the the missiles and rockets and bombs <laughs> that you, you know are going up at, at, at bombers during world war ii so i think there's something really interesting about that like ranked choice voting is is really a fascinating option so it's not just an either or type type thing um there are some probably small structural changes that could be done and it's it's all it, it, uh, term limits like who mm. wouldn't be in favor right. of term limits like do we really need uh, uh, somebody pointed out the other day and and this is a controversial topic because you know our founding fathers and their role and slavery and all kinds of different stuff but the age of those people was between like 24 and 34 the people who founded the mm -hmm. you know like wrote the declaration of independence and wrote the bill of rights and whatnot and I do think that there's some wisdom that comes with people as they get into later years, but there's also some disconnect that occurs. And, you know, do we need a speaker of the house who's like 80 years old and has been in <laughs> politics for 45 years, you know, it, right. it, it's, um, so I think some simple things like that, you know, like just, just term limits and anybody who's against term limits, it's like, well, why are you against that? It, it's because yeah. you've found a way to enrich yourself at the expense of the, the populace, you know, and if we don't enact some things like this, like 
that some outside entities put the likelihood of like a, a, a warm going towards hot civil war in the United States as higher than it's ever been since the first civil war. And mm -hmm. like, there are, there are entities both inside the U S and outside the U S that would love that because there are some people that just hate what we, you know, what the U S stands for and, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but, um, I really don't want to be in a civil war with my neighbors. That sure isn't going right. to be a good day for my children. It, you know, it's not the way that I want to. Yeah, I'm 50 years old. Hopefully I'm around another 20, 30, 40 years maybe. And and I really don't want the waning years of my life to be spent watching society crumble around me. And I think that there are some really simple things that we have to come to the table with. And, and uh, uh, folks like Andrew Yang, folks like uh, Brett Weinstein, who are, are putting these ideas out there, like we need to get fired up about just doing something to alter the way that the, there's this uh, capture of the political and scientific process at this point, you know, to to bring those back into autonomous operational things and, and put a, a timeline in how long people can be in there. Yeah. And there's just parallels to the, the healthcare space and things yep. that are coming up as you're talking with we need to almost see the system crash and burn to rebuild it, including the political system. Cause I talk to people on both sides of the aisle and, and they're like, yeah, this, this system's, you know, screwed and I'll say fucked. Um, <laughs> it'll become explicit now. Um, but this, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, the system's terrible. Uh, you know, I'm right. You're wrong. Team blue. Like you said, team politics, all that stuff. And, and, and um, it's, why are we not trying to make change? The same right. thing with regenerative farming. Oh, factory farming is terrible. I'm just going to switch and not eat meat or, but it's like, but why don't we try to do something about it? Like we can agree on the science that like we probably should be eating meat. Oh, we have incisors and our teeth have evolved to do this, that, or the other thing. And like, you want to argue this stuff versus saying like, what can we practically do on the ground? And does it take people uh, either again, completely crashing the system. I know Chris Kresser, I'm sure, uh, you know, another person I know you're very familiar with, uh, unconventional medicine I have right there. Yep. Um, talking about how, you know, uh, healthcare expenditure, I believe will exceed, uh, GDP spending in the next 10 years. I think it, it was originally 2040 and now it's down to 2030 or something like that. And right. when that happens, like the entire system crashes and collapses a lot of the stuff you're talking about. And, Again, it's scary, and um, to to somebody who's again having a, a kid come into the world and and things like that. On top of the fact that we live in this world, like you're saying, and uh, the question becomes, yeah, how do we we see some of the solutions? And I that's why again I, I'll defer to folks like you to like be the smarter folks and and have done the research. And you are always humble, and you're always like, oh well, there's smarter people than me, and great. But like, that's the question is when is someone going to rise up <laughs> and, and whether I'm calling you out here, Rob, we need, we need you. And every, and that's why like, everyone's like John Stewart becomes the guy like, Hey, like he needs to go and get cameras in, in people's faces. So these people are like, Oh, they're, they're looking at what we're doing. Uh, we're, we're, we won't, you know, not give these people who suffer the veterans and, and, and who have significant damage. We're gonna, we'll give them a little bit of thing and like, sorry, yeah, we messed up or like, you know, almost and not even admitting any any wrongdoing there. But it takes someone like Jon Stewart, um, you know, and there was the movie where Robin Williams, I think, ran as the, the comedian for president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. I mean, it's it's crazy to see. And, and you know, we're not even going to mention the orange man um, of <laughs> of how that all came together and all the negative and positive. But that's honestly, that was my silver lining again of like. I think we're just going to see he's just he's clearly and he did push a lot of envelopes and it's like maybe things will get better, 
because we're going to expose a lot of these broken systems, but it still seems like, and, and with COVID is, is again, showed a lot of people are very unhealthy. A lot of people, we, mm -hmm. we have really poor relationships with food, cardiovascular health, all these things that, that we can go into the science and geek out on. And, and you have, if anyone wants, again, Rob has hours and out, uh, I don't, days, hours, years, millions of, I don't even know. I should but, add that up, but there's probably like a year yeah. worth of material there at this yeah, point. At yeah, at least. Yeah. So like a full, like you can just sit down and listen to Rob Wolf for a full 365 days without stop. Um, just have him <laughs> going. Um, yeah, that, that's scary when you start doing some of that stuff. I know uh, just going back to the CrossFit thing when I had uh, James Fitzgerald, OPEX guy as, as my coach for a year, I calculated out and he's a big fan of rowing and I did half a million meters. I'm like, oh, oh okay cool um anyway total total uh tangent there but yeah uh the one other piece there i'll say again as uh rob is a brazilian jiu-jitsu and and you bring up brett weinstein and those are two of the things that i've tried to listen to brett and and as much as i respect you and you respect him uh i'm always like i don't know about this guy i don't know um and the right. same thing with brazilian jiu-jitsu i'm like I, I don't know that i'm ready to just ro ro roll around on the floor and and, and, and get teabagged you know, by people yeah ex exactly yeah, yeah. um and <laughs> But at the same time, it seems like there's a lot of really good benefits uh, to these things. And again, I hear Brett Weinstein and, and some of it, uh, I'll be honest, is go, as smart as I think I am, uh, I, I'm like, it's going way over my head. And, and some of the stuff, it, again, just the personality, uh, you know, some of the stuff is like, okay, like we're, and say like a Jordan Peterson kind of mm -hmm. controversial is like, you're, you sound a little arrogant, but like, I think I hear what you're talking about. And so that, that comes back to the question to me uh, to try to bring it all back of rambling and ranting and is, is <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where, where, where will someone rise up? This, this next election cycle is going to be very interesting, obviously, uh, as I guess every presidential election cycle is. And that's why we tend to focus on those of like big personalities. Obviously, there's, there's implications all over the place of it. But yeah, on the lower levels. Um, you know, there, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is, is having an election, uh, mm -hmm. coming up and stuff like that. Like, and she was a CrossFit owner. I'm sure, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just to speak to a little bit of the fun, all, all the data points connecting there, but yeah, where are you going to go? Oh, no, no, no. I, I was just taking it all in it. Uh, it, it you know, it, it, when Dave and I, Dave Dooley and I were still doing the controversial truth. I, I think we did one of our last shows where we, we kind of brought, the show out of retirement after the 2016 election because it was so controversial that Trump won and the, you know, there was all this kind of back and forth about it. But, and we just made the point that um, whether you're happy about that outcome or sad about that outcome, the fact that we're that concerned about the power that one person wields is the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that this has been this ongoing deal of kind of states rights versus, you know, consolidated, federal power and there's there's pluses and minuses to all of it but it has become kind of a a winner take all um approach to this like like team sports which uh historically the united states hasn't really operated that way there's there's really when you look back there's been a pretty good change happens kind of glacially slow there'll be a little bit of you know, progressivism and then a little bit of conservatism and, you know, a little bit back and forth and we kind of iteratively go. And now it's become this thing of, of kind of a cutthroat winner take all approach to this. And, um, I think that that's a great way to get people mad enough to start killing each other. And I, <laughs> I, I think that, um, 
even the folks that are in power right now, like thinking about like Marie Antoinette and guillotines and, and, uh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. It's kind of like, okay, I get it. You've got lots of money. You've got lots of power. Um, if you're cool with living in a gated community and having 24 seven, you know, armed security monitoring you and your family, I guess that's okay. But is that really <laughs> what you want? Like, do we want a world where that's where we go to historically, that hasn't really been the, the, the picture of the United States. That's been a bunch of the rest of the world. And we kind of look sadly at that, you know, because mm. the, the, the folks, uh, all kinds of opportunities are lost and whatnot. And so I hope that we can get back. And again, I, I really think that the way that we, we get more control over whatever it, it, it a thought is that when you really look at the political divide in the United States, there are some topics like abortion and gun ownership and different things like that. We're never going to be at a middle ground. And we're mm. also going to be at this spot where um, if one side really tries to force its ideology uniformly across the whole population, it's going to be a disaster. And we right. need to figure out some way to be able to navigate that. And I, I think that moving things back to kind of a state's rights deal. And a lot of this stuff gets to decided on more of a local level. And then people can move to areas that they, they feel more aligned with their, their mm. ideological value systems. And, and maybe, maybe that ends up being bad. Maybe ultimately it ends up being bad, but otherwise I think the option that you have is some sort of really horrible, like a uh, reeducation program, like, one side wins and then there's a bunch of internment <laughs> camps and, and wow. you only get out when, when, you know, you, you tick these ideological boxes and, and maybe the internment camp now is that uh, there's a social credit score mm. that doesn't allow you to buy the food that you want to buy, to watch mm. the shows you want to watch, to drive the car you want to drive that's, until that's you black get mirror out episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it, it maybe doesn't look like uh, Auschwitz type re you, mm. you know, concentration or re-education camps, but there's some really terrible things that could roll out if we allow this stuff to gain more momentum and yeah. to to continue to like hate and and uh, attack each other. And mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I was looking for some hope. I have less. I think of there's it now. hope. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think there's hope, but it, it, it's uh, it, like people need to get mo people who were like, I would have never done a day of politics. Maybe you need to join your local school board. Yeah. Maybe you need to join your local city council. And I've I've attended a few meetings of that stuff. I mean, even our local homeowners association, you're just kind of like, oh my god, like <laughs> kill me, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You, you you know, otherwise, if you don't participate, then the funny thing is the people who do want to participate in those things that actually kind of they'll elbow some people out of the way to get in position mm. to do it. They're not yeah. the people that you want running it. So Right, right. Yeah. I think yeah. uh give Joe Rogan credit for the the whole thing of like anyone who wants to run for president and be the president probably isn't very equipped or, yeah. or whatever. And you're a and, crazy person wanting yeah. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly, yeah, you have to be a egomaniac or narcissist or all these terms that get thrown out there but uh anyway we'll move on from that and i want to be respectful of your time uh, my big takeaways though i want to want to because we touched on so many different things and again you are a bit of a renaissance man uh when it comes to these different topics and we kind of jumped all over and i'm i i love it and and again uh folks go check out all of rob's content like we said probably well over a year's worth of content um, if anyone, uh, we didn't even talk about Wired to Eat, which I think um, I still remember reading it on a 
on a Kindle uh, on a train fr uh, from Paris to uh, somewhere in, in, in France, going to a wedding, um, Britannia. That was the, the town, very famous for their crepes and cider. Uh, oh, wow. Fun, fun time, but I remember reading your um, Wired to Eat, and for anyone, I'll just really quickly summarize the book of, it is not your fault that you're overeating, basically. Society has made it this way, but the other piece of that is, it is, it is your responsibility. Um, and so, you know, the whole, that you can't eat just one potato chip kind of piece, um, and Rob has a background in biochemistry and understanding how these, you know, these companies are, are again, manipulating us and, and all that fun stuff. So uh, very good book to read in terms of, um, and I, I utilize all that stuff all the time. I, I actually utilize your uh, sleazy car salesman concept uh, right. when it comes to, to paleo or the carb reset concepts, uh, all these things that are, are kind of talked about in these pieces where, hey, just try this, see how you look, feel, and perform 30 days. Let's have a conversation. Um, and let's right. see where that goes. And then, and, and, and like you said, again, like, Hey, uh, that's cool. You want to push me on a statin doctor, but, uh, can I also take some fish oil and can I also do some other things? Can I, can I continue to do my Brazilian jujitsu or, or ramp that up or switch to a different type mm -hmm. of, of workout? So there's definitely places where, and we didn't even touch on Reno, your Reno, um, was the fire department there in Nevada. The risk assessment program, risk assessment yeah. program, all yeah. that stuff. There's so much, there's so much. <laughs> Um, but the takeaways I do want to give folks, uh, and I'm going to try to take away as, as, as a little bit of hope that, and stuff that I've learned from you and actionable steps, number one, have the go back. Cause even, uh, back December 30th, we had, uh, fires that burned down 991 houses here. Could have been a lot more, uh, here, uh, in Superior in Louisville, Colorado. Um, even after that, I was, I, I, first thing I was like, when we got back home and it turned out our house did not burn down. I was like, we should have a go bag because we kind of grab random stuff and yep. uh, we did have our passports and things like that. But to your point of things, things happen and, and they seem to be happening more and more frequently, at least. Um, but yes, I, I still I, I made a list and I didn't actually make the go bag. So I had the good intentions. But as as lizard as our brains are, um, I do think, you know, stuff like that, actionable steps of uh, this. This is that extra kick I needed, I think. But but that's the thing, like pain points still to me do not always push folks it's and yep. i think i've heard you talk about it as well is like hey we're gonna have to cut off your leg do you mind stop eating like donuts and mcdonald's and they're like no i'm gonna keep doing that or or hey you have lung cancer and okay i'm just gonna smoke through my tracheotomy hole um like the, there's definitely a lot of fascinating stuff to uh how our brains work as humans and and how we make change and change psychology is something i'm i'm fascinated in, and, and rob talks about in a lot of his content so go bag number one uh Local politics, number two, get involved. Uh, there's change that can be made. Again, uh, school lunches, things like that. There's, But that's the thing is it's it's whose voices are loudest. And then you get the folks who are like, hey, we want to have meatless Mondays and meat is bad. And and then you get those voices being a little bit louder and not enough of, of you know, the good guy voices, if you will. Um, <laughs> and depending on who you ask. So there's definitely a lot of powerful stuff there. But uh, yeah, just if you're listening to this, hopefully we're, you're somewhere aligned with some of the things we're talking about here. Um, so there's definitely some some impact we can make on local politics. The other one that, again, I took away from you and, and Diana Rogers uh, and, and a lot of the folks in that kind of paleo ancest ancestral health space, which is uh, some some really cool stuff going on there, is go meet your local farmer. Um, you know, there are problems with that. Uh, not everyone has access to that. But if you have access to that, uh, go. And we have we have a great farm here, seven generation farms. And I always kind of like I want to push them and and get everyone to go there. But I'm like, but then they're going to be out of all the liver and heart that I like to get. Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to up production so I can get what I need. So my own selfish, again, lizard brain. But but yeah, I definitely uh, want to shout out Seven Generation Farms. Again, they're about 
uh, seven minutes from me here. Uh, and that's where I go to get all my stuff. And, and I know that uh, they're all very healthy. Sarah is, is the, the farmer, the main farmer I talked to there. Um, and so go meet your local farmer, support that. And again, start improving this. The one thing I did want to ask you before we jump off is I think, and, 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 and I want to give you credit for, and for anyone again listening, is having listened to you since about 2010, you are not scared to change your mind uh, on the science and things like that. And, and you saw some of the problems that happened with low carb diets, with high performing athletes, and that led you to the LMNT kind of concept like, hey, we're, we're kind of missing the, the boat here. And so we're under sodiuming, uh, things like that. So again, he's evolved. He's changed. I, I, I certainly hope to aspire to such things as well. Um, but the, the question is, and I heard you say it, and I wanted to, to make sure I got this right from listening to you, is you have less emphasis on uh, like grass-fed, uh, grass-finished beef, which is like the gold standard when it comes to you know folks being like, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to go spend extra money on this versus being like, you know what? Conventionally raised is not that much worse for your health. You're still doing better. Um, we should still be supporting maybe conventionally raised that's, you know, less, uh, feedlot and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to get your, your maybe uh, quick soundbite political statement on that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's <laughs> tough to do a soundbite on it, but it, it's one of the more controversial things in the book. And when we, so the, the, the book and film cover the health environmental and ethical considerations of a meat inclusive food system. So it, it's, it's a lot. And the manuscript, when we turned it in, was 600 pages. Our editor did a great job. We got it down to just a hair under 300 pages. But it, it, it's honestly like the of the three books I've written, it's the one I'm the most proud of. I, I think it'll probably stand the test of time, probably the the best. But um, when we started off, we had a bunch of assumptions. Like we, we just, in outlining the book, there were all these assumptions. And one of the assumptions was uh, pastured meat is nutritionally superior to conventional meat. And when we got in and actually then started studying the research on it, there's very, very little difference between pastured meat and conventional meat with regards to nutrition. Mm. Uh, pastured meat has a little bit more omega-3s, but if you eat a two-ounce piece of salmon, you need to eat, and you get the omega-3s out of that, you need to eat eight pounds of pastured meat to get the same amount of, of omega-3s as you get from salmon. So it's not really the sort, the place that you're even mm. looking for omega-3s, but right. it's got this phenomenal protein, which has this unique ability to provide satiety so that we don't overeat. It has zinc, it has iron, it has B vitamins, you know, there's all this good stuff about it. Um, but the nutritional Delta, the difference between pastured and conventional meat is just not that significant. And folks in the, the regenerative ag space felt, uh, uh, abandoned, mm. uh, turned upon, you know, like, right, wait, right. like, and, and they were like, well, what money are you getting from, you know, big <laughs> meat? It's like, absolutely none. I will show you my tax returns, right. you know, and like ConAgra is not, not a line item on that. And we actually hired an independent PhD nutritional biochemist to review all of that material there. And, and all that we told this guy was, Hey, we just want a breakdown of the, the differences and similarities between pastured and conventional meat. And this guy went out and started researching and he arrived at exactly the same position that we did. So from a sustainability perspective, from an ecological perspective, there's lots of, of reasons to lean into that, that pasture-based uh, thing. But even then, it gets really squirrely because if you live anywhere where there is a local brewery or winery or something like that, 
those folks almost certainly take the the grain products that they use in making alcohol and then they either have to landfill it compost it which the compost landfilling sucks you have to pay for it <laughs> and it, it uh, composting it is super time intensive because you got to turn this stuff over or you give it to people to feed the animals. And that's mm. an amazing way of nutrient upcycling this material and getting rid of it. But it's not technically pasture finished then. Mm. But it's a beautiful way to, to nutrient upcycle material that is part of our food system. And it's the way that we did things, you know, before the industrialization of our, of our food system. Like historically, pork and chicken were not primary features of our food system. They were secondary background pieces. And it was like spoiled food and things that were no longer uh, fit for human consumption were what we <laughs> fed to, to pork. Right. We don't do that now. Like we, we, we front load all that stuff. And um, so I think that pasture based, uh, it, it, it's worth mentioning, even the the conventional meat that we get from like Costco or Walmart, it spends 80% of its life on grass. Mm. The last 20, 30% is in some sort of a feedlot scenario. And oftentimes that feedlot scenario is taking food residues like the leftovers from ethanol or wine production, whatnot, and feeding it to those animals. There's also kind of fucked up stuff where they feed it like, <laughs> like, like, um, yeah. uh, uh, out of date, um, candy. But the ironic thing about that is cows are because they have these four house-traded uh, uh, stomachs. They're insanely good at turning crap mm. food into actually nutrient dense, high high value food. So even then, it's kind of like, as a biochemist, I look at what the conventional meat finishes as and what the the pastured meat finishes as, and it's hard to see a huge difference there. And when we think about, say, like poor populations, marginalized populations that are one of the big distinguishers between a, a poor family versus a middle income family is the middle income family spends much more money on higher quality food in general. Mm. And when you look at like academic performance and growth and, and, you know, thriving versus failure to thrive, nutrition is a big deal. And so it, it, we should lean into that pasture based system. It's super important. And we cannot make that the uh, good, the anti, you know, the, the, the enemy mm -hmm. of, of right. you know, perfection. Perfect, the, the, perfect yeah. enemy of good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for clarifying that. And, and it, it is, you know, you, we end up with these narratives again of like, and the same thing back to the political piece, uh, being like, Hey, you can be like a, a aligned with 17 of the 20 things of this political party but it's okay to disagree on those three. You don't have to just and be then like, maybe advocate for changing those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's that's the thing people seem to be missing. And again, we all I think get caught up in those traps. And again, even for me and and my wife, we were literally talking about finding a meal plan and spending how much money we're budgeting for X Y Z. And it's like, well, yeah, do we need grass fed beef? And so now I can be like, hey, Rob said no. Um, <laughs> say, say, real quick, same for wild caught fish versus farm so, raised so fish. So interestingly, so. Uh, Pastured dairy is shockingly more nutritious than conventional mm. dairy. Right. Um, pastured eggs, amazingly more nutritious than than uh, uh, conventional eggs. Uh, wild caught versus farm fish, far more nutritionally sound. Right. And there's a bunch of environmental reasons to right. to uh, lean into those. But it, it, interestingly, again, it's kind of this um, this gotcha 
Uh, mm. it, it would have been great. It would have been like a vegan documentary film. Right. If there hadn't been this one thing, because it's like, oh, it's better <laughs> for the environment. It's better for your yeah. health. It's, but it, we didn't. It's really easy to disprove that point. And mm -hmm. we, we actually contemplated like either lying or glazing over <laughs> this fact because we knew that there was going to be some, yeah. some blowback on it. But there are other situations where like the pastured organic, you, you know, that sort of stuff really do matter. But for the meat quality and even people will make things are like, well, there's there's uh, toxic residues in conventional meat. And mm -hmm. I'm a biochemist who has a background in toxicology. I would ask those people, show me the assay that sh <laughs> it, it, and yeah. exactly what are yeah. the toxic constituents that are in there. Is mm -hmm. it glyphosate? Is it is it residues from from uh, uh, mycotoxin exposure? Occasionally, a, a group of animals will get a, a, a feed allocation of grains that have had a, a mold infestation and they get a toxic dose of um, mycotoxin. Yeah. That does happen. It doesn't happen very often because it kills the animals. So mm. they folks really try to stay on top of making sure that that doesn't happen. Right. But at, by and large, you know, if we if we do a hundred different samples of meat purchased at, at different locations, I would just ask people, um, "Are you as good on a, a, a HPLC GCMS as I am, and mm. can you do right. an assay right. and show me this stuff?" And if you do, then I'll change my mind on it. But like <laughs> yeah. I. I've tried every angle I can to support that, that, that idea that like, there's, okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you the, you know, there, there's toxic constituents. I just don't see that either. Now yeah. I see groundwater contamination. I see damage to ecosystems. I see all kinds of other problems, but we have to be really compartmentalized when we talk about this in a scientific way. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's where, again, like, this is the guy who knows what he's talking about. And, and, um, it's funny real quick. I'll, I'll finish on this one again. I, I do need to go. So I, I feel bad that we got, we got the OB appointment, but, um, <laughs> uh, of course we can keep talking for, for hours and another year. Um, if it, as it were, but, uh, the funny thing I'll, I'll bring back to that whole piece is, um, a guy here, I talk politics. He's, he's, uh, you know, got some very strong beliefs one way, but, uh, we were talking about something scientific student loan debt and, and, and the way that's been going recently. And, but, uh, we, I said, I was like, it sounds like you don't quite understand how the science is done uh, and you're a little ignorant about the, the scientific process. Like, are you open to talking about like what I, how I understand the science and how it's done? He said, Hey, I might be ignorant about the science, but I wasn't born yesterday. And I'm like, but, but, but like, but you're missing the thing. And that's where right. someone like me gets frustrated. And maybe I don't have the vocabulary or the patience or whatever. And a lot of my friends are also like, when I tell them some of these stories, they're like, good for you for having patience to even engage with folks like this. Cause I'm just, they're just like shutting off to your whole like kind of civil war point of that's the thing. We, we, we have no communication and it's really hard to get across those aisles, but it's, it's fascinating stuff. Again, we can talk about all that for, for hours. And, and again, Rob does touch on some of this stuff on healthy rebellion uh, from time to time. And again, I wish there were more places we could, we can get you to talk about all of this and and uh yeah brett weinstein i, I do i want to i'd love to dive deeper into that or or uh learn more about him and again i've, I've tried to listen to a few of his things and and uh, i'll just say again it was it, it there's ways that it just turns me off uh, uh, to be honest this and it's like i still want to be like uh you know but rob but rob likes him and i like rob so it should a equal b and then I, c and then d what? i i see myself as kind of the blue collar um dark horse podcast mm. like brett's kind of the the academic like mm. white collar 
level <laughs> and I kind of blue do what they're doing, but at a blue collar level. So it's maybe a little and, more and accessible. And maybe that's what it is, is again, as much as I, I have a doctorate and, and think of myself as kind of white collar and academic in that way, I'm, I'm like, I'm still, still got that blue collar in me to some extent. So yeah. But what, like, what have you and I done a lot of like running brick and mortar facilities, mm. like looking people in the eye and, and yeah. working with them. And I think that that's a, not to say that like the, the Weinsteins didn't like they, they, mm -hmm. they were college professors and they taught right. kids for, for years, but it's a, it's a different, right. And, and that university big... is a different deal than like right. running a brick and mortar facility right. where you've got to like, wow people and, and really yeah. provide some serious value to and, them. Yeah. And similar to Andrew Yang, I mean, the big controversy that Brett Weinstein was in at his university, uh, I, I forgot what the thing was that he either made a statement or he was going to get canceled, but he, you know, there's videos of him like trying to be like, what, what are y'all, what are you guys talking about? Like, but he couldn't bridge that gap well, that's yeah. where some of it like and, and that's not necessarily where i have my problem with him or whatever but it's it's there's like yeah he's missing that like human connections like that's a chance for you to say like i hear you guys like and and connect across that aisle as it were and and there was they were just like mad and and you know there was a lot of very different populations very different approaches and anyway we can go down that path another time but absolutely Rob, <laughs> Rob, we did we barely touched on the lmnt uh and again that's that's one of those other pieces uh final takeaway is, is, you know, uh, making change, being the change you want to see in the world. And Rob has yeah. done that. And he's seen like, Hey, there's this gap and almost every endurance athlete I've talked to. And again, being here in Colorado and, uh, you did mention the, the folks of breweries, there's like a brewery here, like a Starbucks, there's probably more breweries here than Starbucks, which is the first time I've ever lived in a place where, where that's, a good right. place. um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I have a feeling we'll be moving somewhere closer to, to Montana some point based on how things are going, but, uh, Hey, We'll Come visit us, hang out. Yeah. We'll, we'll put you guys up, and we'll we'll show you the show you the site. That that would be awesome for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I have it recorded here, so we will take you up on that. And I just had uh, I just had um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Maui Athletics. I just had him on a few episodes ago, and I feel really bad I'm blanking on his name. But he's in Maui, uh, in Hawaii, and I'm like, by the end of this podcast, I want you to be my best friend. So I have a place to to visit and stay in Maui. So. Same, same, same thing here in Montana. And I don't know if you oh, look, almost look like you froze there, but on that note, uh, with my invitation, open invitation to come visit, uh, Montana, uh, and sounds, sounds really friggin' again, we haven't even driven up there. So, and it's not too, too far from where we are. So, um, I definitely plan to be up there sometime soon, but thank you Do so it. much, Rob, for your time. I got to get to my wife before she stabs me in the throat. Um, I need to learn the Brazilian jiu-jitsu defense grapplings so I can protect myself from my own Jiu-jitsu isn't that helpful with uh, edged <laughs> weapons. So just avoid yeah. that entirely. Yeah. 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 There was a quick a quick little meme of like how to use Brazilian jiu-jitsu against a bear. And like they take you through the seven steps of like, you know, do this and then jump on its neck. And then that, and the last one was like. Uh, yeah, forget all that. Cause by step one, you were pretty much dead. You were eaten. Like, yeah. You were eaten. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your candor. I appreciate your common sense, the things you're bringing into this world to be in the positive change. Uh, again, if, if folks can't tell I'm, I'm, you know, fanboying out here and, and again, just really grateful for the books, the content, the free podcast, and a lot of it's free and, 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 you know, the only thing where he's, he's peddling here is, is salt. Um, and, and, and again, even on even, that, we give, give that you away. A, yep. We, we give you a, how to make it yourself. Yep. So yep. yeah. And I, yeah. literally I've had two or three people who I've like tried to push, push my salt on salt dealer 
And they're like, can I just make this on my own? I'm like, yep, here's the recipe. Like they give it away. And I'm like, I don't know if you want to store that much sodium, magnesium and potassium in your garage. That might not end well um, for many reasons. And ordering that much too might, might throw up some red flags in, in different areas. Just but, don't uh, have any ammonium nitrate with it and you'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. Um, but yes. So again, thank you, Rob. We'll sign off. Uh, I got to go. But uh, yeah, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about Rob, again, he can be found pretty easily. Two Bs, one yep. F, uh, always a little tricky from time to time for some folks, but, uh, thank you so much, Rob. Appreciate it. Take hope care. I have folks got at least 1% better and we'll sign off on that one. And before you guys take off, please, if you made it this far, I assume you enjoyed it. So please, please, please share this with someone who you think will benefit from it. Uh, leave a rating review, like comment, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, it mean a lot, a lot, a lot if we can get this out to more folks. And uh, if you have specific feedback, I'd love to hear it. If, you, if something connected with you as we were talking about it, if you disagreed with it, share your thoughts. You should be able to DM me all the platforms. I should be pretty easy to find. If not, let me know somehow. We'll figure it out. You can Google me. You'll find me, Dr. Bobabenko. Uh, but yeah, appreciate you guys making it this far. We'll talk to you next time.